Hey guys, it's Melissa here from Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I want to welcome you to today's episode. I am so excited. I have with us today Miss Holly Toronto, who is a certified master level coach, and she hosts her own podcast called The Return to Wholeness. And she's here today to talk to us about all things having to do with getting rid of our good girl image that we feel like we are being forced to uphold due to social media and all of the other things going on. So I cannot wait to dive into this topic today. If you're new, I want to welcome you. If you're returning, welcome back. So welcome, Holly. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Melissa. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Yes, I'm excited about it too, because I think that you hit on quite a few things when you bring up the fact that women tend to feel like we have to have this good girl image to uphold, especially in the age of social media. So I cannot wait to dive into this topic. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, there's so much, so much for us to unpack here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, before we dive into that topic, why don't you um, start by giving us a little background about you, you know, what you what led you to this? Because I know you didn't start doing the good girl work you started as a, a wellness coach so can you tell us a little bit about how you started and how that led you to what you're doing now yeah i'm going to share like the the condensed like cliff notes version of the story because there's as i'm sure you can relate there's so many twists and turns to our journeys but as you had mentioned i I, my initial coaching business started off in, in health coaching, and I've been working in the space of body image and intuitive eating for the past five years, really. And that speaks to my own personal journey. So body image is something that I have historically struggled with since I was around the age of five years old and wanting to change my body from like very young and tender age. And that manifesting itself over the course of my life in disordered eating and just feeling lots of shame around the way my body looks and and long story short, I, I knew that I wanted to support women in navigating that same, that same space. Cause it's something that I had struggled with and, and to some degree have, have overcome in a way that feels so much more liberating, liberating in my body and the way that I see myself than ever before. But as coaches and space holders and healers, we know that we're always growing and evolving on our journeys. And I just started over the past year or so to get really curious about, well, why is it that 91% of women are dissatisfied with their bodies and turning to dieting? Like what, where does that really stem from on like a cultural and societal level? And when you think about it too, like one of the first poems I remember learning as a child was about little girls being made of sugar and spice and everything nice. And so that's sort of like the energy that we are conditioned into from a very young age, that we are meant to be obedient, that we are meant to be compliant, that we aren't meant to rock the boat, that we are meant to follow these certain rules and play out this prescribed lifestyle and that our bodies need to look this way in order to have value in our society. And it started to really get me thinking about, oh, wow, yes, so much of this comes back to how we as women have just been conditioned to be obedient, to be, to, to follow the rules. And there's a whole conversation that we could have around patriarchy and all of that kind of stuff. But we can also look at the fact that we as women have historically really wanted to like belong with each other, right? We've always really wanted to fit in with each other. We, we never wanted to be ostracized. We never wanted to be different because that was actually 
a threat to our survival, right? If we got kicked out of the tribe, like, Ooh, we're on our own. And that's really scary. Right. Um, and so we have that conditioning in, in our, like in our DNA to be okay. Like let's, let's just fit in with everyone else. Right. Don't rock the boat. Don't be different. Don't, don't actually be the fullest expression of who you are. Even if it means cutting off and fragmenting parts of yourself, um, do that because that will ensure your belonging within your community, within your tribe, within society. And so I've really found that that's been the evolution of my work. Yes, it's about body image, but it's about all of the ways in which we fragment ourselves in order to belong, in order to have to feel safe and um, live into the expectations of others versus our own and how we can actually start to listen to our and listen to and value our own voice and trust our intuition and stand firm in our power so we can create the life and experience that we actually deserve and want to have in this lifetime. Yeah, I think that's really an amazing thing because so many women don't trust themselves and they look to other people and to social media and everywhere else to see like how should i be behaving how should i you know what decision should i make and they ultimately end up making the wrong decisions for themselves and end up feeling stuck in a lot of ways in life so i think that that is a really important thing is to learn how to be able to trust yourself and tap into your intuition absolutely i mean I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Like we are, we are always outsourcing, right? We're always looking for some external blueprint for what our life is supposed to look like. And, and social media definitely amplifies that for us when we see, you know, certain like friends or women, other women doing something like, I don't know, quitting their job and traveling the world. They're like, well, I, like I should want to do that. Like I, I, that, that actually seems like a more prestigious or status filled life than what I have. Right. And so, but like, we don't actually give ourselves the opportunity to get curious about if that's something that we even really want for ourselves. Like that, that's actually kind of a specific example to me as like a coach and, and somebody who has like the ability to have a laptop, laptop lifestyle. Right. I was like, oh my gosh, should I? should I be doing what all these other coaches do and like work on the beach and like live in Bali full time and like, or, or travel the world all the time. And I'm like, should I want that? That seems to be upheld as like this ideal in, in our, you know, in like the curated world of social media. But when I've started to do this work on myself of tuning into my own voice and my intuition, I'm like, Oh no, that's actually the opposite of what I want. Like I love to travel and I love to experience new places under obviously normal, like circumstances, not living in during a pandemic, but, um, what I really love is stability. I love home. I love having a space that's just like mine and like feels cozy and like, uh, like, uh, like a stable environment for me to be in. And, and so like, that was like my own sort of realization of where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm making this other person's lifestyle like better than mine based on how social media is portraying it versus actually tuning into what I really want. Yeah. I think we do that a lot. I think a lot of women do that and you know there's always and not just women i mean i think men do it too but there's always this perception of you have to keep up with everyone else and so oftentimes we fall into that trap of comparing ourselves to everyone else around us and we feel like if we're not at a certain spot in our life by a certain time something's wrong with us i mean i've seen that a lot a lot of my clients who come to me for readings will say, when am I going to find the one, right? That's always the question. And I always hear from them, like, well, I just feel like it's taken too long and I should be married by this point. I should have two and a half kids by this point. 
to which I'm always telling them you're on your own journey and your journey is not the same as anyone else's. It's going to take as long as it takes. And for a lot of us, it takes us doing the inner work and figuring out who we are before everything falls into place. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I find that I talk about this a lot with my clients that we can have these big dreams and desires for ourselves. Like, of course, of course, like if that's a desire you have to be married or to have children or to start your own business or travel somewhere, whatever it is. Oh my gosh, how beautiful it is to hold that desire. Yet, can we also value just as much the journey and who we get to become as we're working towards that desire and that goal and that dream, right? Like that's actually just as valuable. And to your point, it's going to take the time that it's going to take, like there is such thing as like divine timing and, and things unfolding in the way that, that are meant for us. And oftentimes when we try to force it, we end up in the wrong relationship. We end up in the wrong career. We end up, you know, not actually in alignment with our highest good because we weren't like trusting and allowing what wanted to unfold, unfold. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I see that so often, a lot of people just feeling stuck. I think the whole feeling stuck is people not being in alignment with what is for their highest good and what they're, what is truly meant for them. I think that that is why a lot of people end up feeling just stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do you work with a lot of people who come to you and say, you know, I, I just feel like I'm stuck and I don't really know where to go? I'm, I'm not sure that their language is always stuck. They might use that every once in a while, be like, Oh, I'm just feeling really stuck. But oftentimes it's, it's like, I'm just not feeling like I'm in alignment or I'm feeling like I'm not like, I don't have agency or I don't have choice in this, in this moment or in this time or in this decision. Um, and then the work is about like helping them step back into a place of agency and choice for themselves because good girls, um, or what I also call like the compliant woman archetype also often think that we don't have access to choice, that we don't have access to agency because somebody else is always directing us or we have to follow somebody else's rules or guidelines, right? And so realizing that we have power, that we have choice, that we have agency, um, it's not it's not a snap your fingers and one and done thing, but it's, it's really, um, yeah, like the meat of the work that we do. Yeah, I think that's a really empowering thing to help people understand that really everything is all about the series of choices that you make. Um, And I think a lot of people don't understand that because from a child, we were often not given choices, right? Or at least I know growing up, I was not, you know, it was you will do what I say, and you will do what I tell you to do. And so as an adult, having been the free will to make your own choices, it still felt like you didn't have the free will to make choices. It felt like everything happens to you and it's all like, it's all circumstance and you don't have any control over it. Mm -hmm. And when you finally realize that, oh wait, yeah, maybe I do have control over some of the things that happen, then it's like an aha moment, the light bulb goes off. Hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about something that I learned from a mentor of mine. Uh, her name is Madison Morgan, and she's she's talked a lot about this similarly to what we're talking about today. And she she's like, yeah, when you were a child, you were a victim. 
right? You didn't have control over your, your circumstances. Like you were told what to do, when to eat, when to go to bed, all of that kind of stuff. Unless you had like Montessori parents that like, you know, just were observing you and letting you, um, like, you know, letting you have your own schedules and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we were regimented, we were told what to do. And, and, you know, for, for those who maybe experienced trauma or whatever it might be in their, their life or their circumstances, like, yeah, like you were a victim when you were a child, but like, it's our responsibility as adults to recognize that that victimhood is, is really a, is, is really a childlike experience. Like we are not victims in our adult life and we actually have power choice agency, um, and the ability to, yeah, heal that, heal that victimhood so that we can really move forward and stand in our power. Yeah. I think it's important for people to understand that it doesn't matter what choices you've made in life so far, even if you've made really bad choices and you end up in a place where, you know, maybe you're financially, you're unstable. If you're in the wrong job, if you're in the wrong relationship, you can wake up tomorrow and decide that you want your life to be different. And you can start making choices to actually make a difference in your life. And it doesn't have to be turning your entire life upside down in one day. It's just the small steps that you take to make those changes in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. I, I feel like today specifically, there's been like a theme and in, in coaching calls that I had and other conversations that I had of really like honing in on the small step thing, like that to your point, totally blowing up our lives. Sometimes that works for people. Like sometimes somebody's just going to be like, I'm going to blow up my life and I'm going to quit my job and I'm divorced and I'm going to do all that kind of stuff. And like, great. Like if that's your journey and your path, good for you. But for the vast majority of people, it's, it's really about that 1% change that we're making over time, because otherwise we tend to, to rebel, right? Like if we force ourselves to into too much change too quickly, our, our amygdala, you know, this primitive part of our brain that's that's evolved to keep us safe and comfortable, right? It's going to be like, no, 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 too much change. Even if like the thing that we're trying to change is like bad for us, right? No, too much change, right? We're going to pull back and we're going to sabotage and we're going to contract, right? And so what actually allows for sustainable change over time is when we're just doing these 1% actions, this 1% difference. I, I, I think about, you know, if we, if we get really specific, um, because I'm sure we'll get into like social media and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, we live in a day and age right now where um, having divergent opinions or seeing something differently than your community or your tribe is like, can be really terrifying for people. Like they, it's, it can feel like, oh my God, these relationships are, are going to end or, you know, I'm going to be called X, Y, or Z or whatever it might be. It's like, it, it's really it can be scary out there to communicate where we might have a question or see things differently. And I do work on that with, with my clients and with myself too, because I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not exempt from that experience and that it's not about suddenly going out there with like all of our controversial opinions and just being like, this is what I believe, but like, oh, can we just create, can we find one relationship in our life where it's safe for us to be like, Hey, I have a question about this or I know that everyone seems to be saying this is how they feel, but this is actually how I feel, right? And allowing ourselves to, to start small with those, those relationships where maybe over time we feel confident enough to share an opinion on social media um, or, you know, even like have a more complex and nuanced opinion because we've allowed ourselves to have conversations about it. So like, yeah, again, it's not about like suddenly putting ourselves out there fully, but really about like, what's that, that 1% that we can work with. 
Yeah, because um, unfortunately, we live in a day and age where if you put any of your opinions on social media, you're going to get attacked and it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, it, it does not matter. Um, I've seen that firsthand. And I think that's a shame because I think open dialogue and discussion is so much more useful and beneficial than just going to someone's page and calling them names because you don't agree with what they happen to post or or bringing up an entirely new thread that has nothing to do with what they posted because now you think you know what type of political stance this person has. It's like all of those things are just so useless. It's so useless. It's so um, useless. <laughs> there, like social media has a lot of really good uses, I believe, but we've gotten to an age where social media, unfortunately, also has a lot of really terrible side effects as well. Um, as a teacher, we've been dealing with the TikTok craze where students are stealing things from schools and destroying bathrooms and posting it on TikTok because that's a new trend and that's funny. Um, oh God. Yeah. So, you know, it can be used for positive and negative, just like anything can be. Mm -hmm. So how do you coach women or maybe what advice do you give people about social media and how not to allow social media to influence you in a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot here for us to look at. I think the first thing, where do I want to start? <laughs> there's so much, there's literally so much I want to say. I think the first thing to remember is, is what these platforms actually exist for what they used to be, at least like how I used to feel about it before it was like, ad centered and hashtag centered and all of that kind of stuff was that it was a place to share our lives, right? It was a place to go on. And it was, I'm going to share this photo of my meal that I ate or of my vacation or of my dog, right? It was just like, here I am showcasing my life. Right. Yeah. As are, especially in, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from like a Western perspective, like here in the U S and, and in the West that it seems like over the past, you know, five or so years that social media has actually become more of a, like a town square type situation where there's discussions that are being had, being had and activism to do. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing by any means, but what we have to remember is that these social media companies act like they are profit driven, right? And they get paid off of impressions. Uh, they get paid off of how long you spend on that app scrolling because they get to show you more ads. I mean, The Social Dilemma, which is a great documentary on Netflix, where right. we'll <laughs> into this like deeply. Yeah. And, um, and so like, I'm not an expert on it, but like these, these um, platforms are actually meant to profit off of outrage. They're meant to, because that's what we pay attention to. Like very rarely are we paying attention to like the exciting things. Sometimes we'll get wrapped up in puppy videos. I know I do personally, but like what grabs our attention, right? Is the stuff that brings up outrage, brings up the, and because that also gives us a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose when, when we feel so out of control in the world that we live in. And so that's really important for us to know that there, that is a manipulation. Like there is manipulation that's happening every single time that we open that app. It knows how to get us to spend time there. It knows how to get us to engage with something by showing us something that will piss us off. Right. And so know that, know that like we actually don't have a lot of like psychological and mental agency when we're going into these spaces and allow that to inform how you engage with the platform by 
taking breaks, setting limits, boundaries, deciding what type of accounts that you want to follow, the type of conversations that you want to be having online. Like you don't actually have to engage in conversations that you don't want to engage in online. God, shocker, right? That like, you don't want to, yeah, you can keep scrolling. You can unfollow, you can block. You're not under any obligation to participate in conversations that you don't want to participate in. And so that's the first thing that I would say to people is like, remember what's actually happening. And then to the best of your ability, find ways to honor and protect your mental, emotional well-being in that space. Cause it's something that like, especially as business owners, we're, we're not getting away from, right? Like we're going to, we're going to be here. The second piece that I would, would say to this is that, um, we must remember it's, it's our responsibility to remember that when we go onto these platforms that we're interacting with other human beings and we're not interacting with squares. We're not interacting with these like tiny little profile pictures. Mm -hmm. We're not even, we're not interacting with like even the image that's being put forth from that one person, right? Because we can curate so well um, what we want people to see, but that we're actually interacting with human beings, flesh and blood, nuance, um, people who are, you know, maybe sharing one opinion, but that one opinion doesn't define who they are, right? Like they're, and, and same goes for you, right? Your one opinion on that one topic doesn't define who you are. And so it, I, I, I do feel like social media has, cause us to dehumanize ourselves and reduce in people down to just like simple multi, like one dimensional, like flat screens essentially. And like, we have to take the responsibility to remember that we are, we are people going into that space. Right. And so we get to set the boundaries around how we will be treated, how we will interact, but then also remember that you're interacting with other human beings. Um, and then the third thing that I'll say, and then feel free, I guess, obviously I, I could go on forever about this, um, is, this has really helped put me put in perspective um, social media for me because I have an iPhone and my iPhone on a weekly basis will send me my screen time. It'll say how much time I spent on on my screen and I'm, I'm always trying to get it down, but it'll it'll break it down by app, like how much time I spend. And so I'll get to see, okay, I spent three hours total on Instagram last, last week, to, like collectively Monday through Sunday. And if I, I don't, I'm not going to actually be able to do this math, but it's, it ends up being that I spend about 1% of my time on social media, 1%, right? And so assume that that's probably average for most people that you're seeing like one to 2% of their life, sometimes less, sometimes more, that we can't actually know fully what's happening for somebody just based off of that. So if somebody's putting forward this like very like, oh, like ideal lifestyle, like, oh, I'm so perfect. And this is like, remember, you're only seeing the edits, right? <laughs> like you're only seeing the edits. Or if somebody says something that pisses you off and you want to go onto their page and just be like, you're blah, 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 blah. Consider that you're only seeing 1% of their life that week and you actually don't know what they're going through. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you on a lot of those points. And I think um, the problem with social media is that it has given people a, some sort of sense of anonymity with having the avatars. So a lot of people will say things that they would never say to your face in public. And, and that's why even like as a business owner, you know, or a podcast um, creator that people will leave reviews or do things and you're like, really? Yeah. You would say that to somebody. Um, and we might deem it as being super rude. 
uh, because they, there's just no accountability these days. Um, and there is accountability. I, that's the one thing I think maybe gives me a little bit of hope is that people are starting to be held accountable for things that they're doing online. Mm -hmm. Because before there was no accountability and people would just go on and say anything. And now you can get fired. You know, if you say the wrong thing and your company sees it, somebody points it out, you can get fired. You know, companies do look at your social media profiles before they, you know, when they interview you before you come in, they will look at them. Um, certainly, I've talked to HR people who have said, yeah, we, we look up their social media. Um, so that's one thing that's a little bit encouraging, I guess, is that now there's finally some accountability for people. Still, it's not great. Uh, but the other thing too is that we too tend to compare ourselves to what everyone is showing. There are people who will complain and whatever on social media, but most people don't put their bad days on social media. They just only put the positive things in their lives. So you really are only getting a very small snippet of someone's life on social media. So I never look at someone and say, oh, I wish I had that relationship or I was like, because, you know, then like a week later, they've gotten divorced because all you saw was right. their, the good pictures of their vacation or whatever. So we should never be looking to other people for validation or for what we want to be or what we aspire to be not in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that that is definitely a problem with social media. And I think that that's what you were leading to when you talk about the good girl image, like we have to be a certain body type, we have to dress a certain way, um, our opinions have to be a certain way. Is, is that kind of what you were talking about with the good girl? Yeah, yeah. I would say the the good girl archetype shows up in in many different ways. I mean, one certainly being like, I need to have the ideal body in order to be loved, in order to be valued in our society. And that's like a lot of the work that I do with my clients or, you know, I can't, I can't say anything controversial. I can't rock the boat. I can't offer a different perspective because that's going to piss somebody off or, you know, whatever it might be. But it also shows up in, in the ways that we limit what's possible for ourselves in, in the life that we want. It's like, oh, you know, a good woman doesn't want to do this right? Like a good, a, a good, a good girl wouldn't quit her job to pursue her dreams, <laughs> you know? So like it shows up in, in so many different ways. I mean, it also shows up in the way that we might deny our big feelings and like for fear of being too much. Like if we feel like someone really hurt our feelings or we're very upset about something, we're like, we'll, we'll, we'll hide it. We'll shove it down. We'll say, uh, like, you know, I don't want to bother anybody with my feelings or I don't want them to think that I'm too much or I'm being a drama queen, whatever it might be. And so it's so many different ways that we fragment ourselves, that we cut off parts of ourselves in order to uphold this good girl ideal or what I also call the compliant woman archetype um, that's really rooted in in our codependency, right? In our and are wanting to like manage other people's perceptions of us. And again, massive compassion because it all comes back to our sense of ecology and love and safety and belonging. But where I'm working with, with my clients is like, okay, like what's, what's the, 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 the benefit here of like, what are you actually, what's the long-term risk of you actually continuing to play out that archetype, right? What's the long-term risk of you continuously fragmenting these parts of yourself versus the risk of you actually allowing yourself to become the fullness of who you're meant to be. Yeah. I think that it's a very freeing thing to be able to be authentic. And I think it's hard to really attract 
experiences that make you really happy if you are being inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would agree. I mean, it becomes like a a self fulfilling prophecy in that in that way. Like we know um, law of attraction. We know all of that stuff is like is is real. Like we'll we'll continue to call in the experiences that validate our core beliefs over and over and over again. And, and like, um, yeah, until we are willing to disrupt them and create a different experience for ourselves. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the issue that people have today is I think there's a lot of people walking around who really don't know who they truly are Mm -hmm. and they have never even possibly had the courage to truly look inward and to see, you know, what do I truly want? What would make me happy? And and I know there's a lot of people I know who work with clients who will say, I don't know what I want. And that's the first thing is, you know, they've never taken the time to sit down and say, well, what, what do I really want? Because instead it's always, what should I want? Yes. That's the good girl too. What yeah. should, what should I want? What's expected of me? Yeah. For, for so many, it's, it's like a foreign idea to think, oh, I can actually decide that. Like I can actually like let myself really want what I want here. And yeah, it can, it, again, it's for an idea and can be really confronting at first, but, um, the more like it, again, it, and it's, it's about starting small too. Like we might not go from what should I want to like fully embodying everything we want overnight, but it could even be starting as small as like, well, what do I, what do I really want for dinner tonight? Right? <laughs> like, am I going to let my kids or my partner decide again, what I'm having for dinner tonight? Or can I say like, oh yeah, no, I really want ramen noodles for dinner tonight. <laughs> and like, let yeah, myself. How many times do you that. do that where you'll say, well, where do you want to go eat? It's like, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. You pick. Yeah. Yeah. I know <laughs> my family, that is the thing. It's always like, oh my gosh, somebody just decide yeah. who, who has a craving for something because nobody wants to step forward and say, well, I want this or this, you know, that's just really how it's always been. And that can be super frustrating. Um, And I think it takes a lot of courage. There are a lot of people out there who say like, I don't want to get married or I don't want to have kids and they're going against what is the norm in society. So what's being expected of us. And so I think that that is, probably um a really important thing going on right now and people deciding that they want to step outside of those societal norms yeah i i love to see that like i think that there there's norm like quote unquote norms like what's normal but like you know, guidelines in our society of like, okay, this is like, you know, generally what you do with your life. You go to school, you go to college, you may have, you know, start a long-term relationship and maybe have kids. And like, that's all well and and, and good and, and great. And there's going to be people that vary from, from that construct. And like, I, I think that we are starting to celebrate that in a really beautiful way. And I love to see um, people making those, those choices from a place of true autonomy, true agency, because I think that's, that's ultimately what we want to be very clear on. Like, is our decision to not get buried and not have children? Is that coming from a reactionary place? Is that coming from a place of like, 
you know, bucking, bucking society, or is it actually truly, truly what we want? And like, that's a really important exploration. And then also, like, I think about it too, with, you know, my clients that are mothers and did decide to get married and have children. Like, can we also not buy into the to the narrative that that somehow you gave up, right? <laughs> that somehow you sold out and you didn't make the most of yourself in your career. If, if you are genuinely happy being a mother and being in the marriage that you're in and having the life that you have, even if it doesn't look like unconventional and exciting by this new standard, like, can you really own that that's truly what you want? And like, that's why it always comes back to like getting so clear on what's our voice, what's our intuition uh, versus like what's coming from society. Yeah. I think, you know, I've seen this in my own life. Um, I've been single for quite a while because I was married and in a horrible, toxic marriage and then had to raise two kids and I've dated, but um, I've been single more than I have not been single. And I'm fine with that because I have a very busy life. But I remember one time my sister said, oh, well, my, you know, our dad, he was talking to me and he said that he's really worried about you. Like, you're not going to, you're going to be single forever. And like, you're going to end up like aunts of mine who like just live together and I was highly offended by that comment and I said to her he doesn't need to worry about me like I if I want a partner I will find one it's not about that it's just about the fact that I have stuff I need to get done right now and I really am focusing on that because I know that the other thing will come when it's the right time mm-hmm. and I'm not worried about that but I think that that just pointed out so very clearly that other people will judge you based on their own versions of what is normal, what is right, what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing. So mm-hmm. it's all their own projections. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it might come across as like concern. I'm just really concerned about you, Melissa. You know, and yeah. it's like <laughs> that concerns about you, dad. Like <laughs> it's not about me. Like it's what, what I'm hearing for you is that you have deep trust and like how your life is meant to unfold. And if there's a partner that's meant to come into your life, wonderful. But right now it's, it sounds like you're like you're, you have a very full and satisfying life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think that, um, that's the way we need to be looking at things, but I had students one time too, same kind of thing. They came up to me and they're like, Oh, is that your wedding ring? because I had a ring on the, and it wasn't even on my left hand, but I said, no, that's just a ring that Um, I bought for myself when I graduated from college, when I got my master's degree, it was like a way of um, gifting myself because I worked really hard and I earned it. And they said, oh, are you married? And I said, no, I'm divorced. And they're like, oh, you're going to find somebody. Mm. And it just made me laugh. But it's also made me a little sad because I know that from a very young age, girls are conditioned to believe that that's their purpose in life is to find a partner have children. And as much as we want to feel like we have progressed in society, I feel like we're still really, really far away from where we should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it does take modeling in many ways, like the, the multitude of ways to create a satisfying life for yourself. There's, um, Elizabeth Gilbert is my 
absolute favorite author. Like I just love her work so much. And I don't always remember the name of her books, but like she, so City of Girls, I think is her most recent book. And then she had a couple before that. And I love that she tells stories about women who find deeply satisfying lives and lead like these careers and, and like truly pave a path for themselves with or without a male partner in their lives right? Like the story isn't centered around the male partner, right? And again, doesn't mean it's bad to have a partner if you want a partner in your life. But like, I, I love that there are ways for us to model satisfaction in our lives yeah. without it having to be centered around the novel ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that also too, like if you are in a partnership, um, that, being mindful of not defining yourself by that partnership. Like I was having a conversation with someone earlier today about valuing the multifacetedness of who we are is like, okay, maybe you, maybe you are a wife and you love being a wife and maybe you are a mother and you love being a mother, but what else do you like? Like, are you, are you into, are you creative? Are you an actress? Do you love to cook? Like, do you love nature? Do you have like all of these other interests and passions? And like, can we allow those to also have some airtime too and know that they make up your identity and the fullness of who you are beyond. Yes, you have to, because we lose ourselves so often. You see that all of the time with women, especially and men, this might happen to you too. I don't know. I just know from my own experience with women and working with women that we get married, have children, and then we lose ourselves. We don't even know who we were anymore besides the mom who's driving her kids to basketball and picking up snacks. And so you sort of lose yourself. And even if you don't have kids and you're just in a relationship, a lot of women lose themselves in their relationships too. Mm -hmm. And you don't have that identity outside of the relationship because I think that happens for many reasons. Number one being that we are so conditioned from early on to find a relationship, have kids, all of that at a, you know, do you need to do this in your twenties or whatever, you know, that that was the goal that people get into those relationships, have those kids and they're still kind of kids themselves. Mm -hmm. Even though we're like legally adults, whatever, you don't even know who you truly are because you didn't really have the time to get to know yourself without jumping into all of those other things. So I think it's really important yeah figure that out yeah and and if you can hopefully find if you are if you are someone who does value like long-term monogamous partnership right like finding a partner that's going to allow the evolution of who you are I think about Esther Perel who's um a relationship and sexuality psychologist from Belgium and she she talks about one of her my my all-time favorite quotes from her is every human being is going to be in multiple long-term relationships over the course of their life. And two to three of those are going to be with the same person. Right. So can we allow ourselves in our partnerships to, to challenge and grow and evolve? And like, like I, what I always just like to be really clear on is like, this is not a black and white thing. There's shades of gray. It's not like you get to be the fullness of who you are and single only, right. (laughs) Or you, you get to be the fullness of who you are and married only, right. There's variations and there's gray area in that. And like, 
finding being in a partnership with somebody who will allow that unfolding, right? I've been in um, a partnership with my husband now for 13 years, married for seven and like, oh my God, like, I don't even know who the people were, but like those people that just started dating, like who are those people, right? Like we're completely different people now. And so um, that like, find like having that be a value built into your partnership that that's like, okay, we're allowed to grow and change through this. And hopefully that happens together. And if it doesn't wonderful, like let's trust. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great conversation and you've hit upon so many awesome things about, you know, really learning how to find yourself, trust yourself again, and not look to social media or other people for, our identity and who we should be and what we should want. So I know that you have a podcast and I know that you also coach people. So if anyone wants to listen to your podcast or they want to work with you, what's the best way to follow you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the name of my podcast is Return to Wholeness. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Um, Yeah. And head over there. We have really great conversations similar to like the one that we're having today about how we fragment ourselves in order to earn love, safety, and belonging in our society and how we call those parts of ourselves back so that we can live in wholeness. Um, I also do private coaching predominantly with women around all of that deconditioning from the good girl and standing in our feminine freedom and living from a place of choice and agency. Um, so you can learn about that on my website, hollytoronto.com. And yes, I am on Instagram. I am on social media, even though my rant about it today would let you know that I like, don't like it, but like, I, I, I don't like it. And I've gotten great things from it. Like I've gotten, you know, great relationships and, and all of that. And I am active on social media. So you can follow me. My Instagram is holly.toronto and yeah, come say hi. And I will have all of those links in the show notes too, in case you want to go and check any of that out. So I always like to ask our guests to leave our listeners with a little piece of wisdom that they can take with them throughout the day. So if you had one little piece of advice you could give our listeners today, what would that be? Mm. I think it's just an extension of everything that we were just talking about is like, you are not a stagnant being. You are meant to grow and evolve. You are meant to change. You're meant to become more and more and more and more. And that even if that's scary, like the change is like letting go of old identities or stepping into new ones, that's really scary. Um, the satisfaction, the joy, the the wholeness that that brings into your life is, is invaluable. Love it. Yes, absolutely. Do not stay stagnant your entire life. We were meant to learn and to grow and to become who we're always meant to be. So I love that. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. This is a fun conversation. Yes, it was so much fun. And I want to thank all of you guys at home too for listening to us. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. And if you would like to join me on Patreon, you can listen to my podcast five days a week instead of three days a week. So go and join me on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Also, you can follow me on social media. I go live Mondays at 630 Central on Facebook where I do a free card reading. If you show up for the live, I'll pull a card especially for you. And if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, melissaoatman.com. There you'll see all the services I offer and you can purchase them from the website. You can always book a free discovery call with me or just reach out to me if you have any questions 
would love to work with you. All right, guys, I hope you're having a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. As always, I am sending you so much love and light, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.